Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled, exciting, and special edition of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how are you, man? I am super excited. Tonight we are recording our, is it fourth? Fourth. Fourth Halloween special, which, again, boggles my mind there was a second Somehow we connived our way into a third, and now we're just flat tricking people into listening to a fourth edition. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works, but it's continuing to work. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> don't fix what's not broken. So, exactly. All right. Which, you know, so this will be our medieval medicine episode, medieval medicine four. If you've been a longtime listener to the show, then you know that this is something that we've done every year, like Tom just alluded to. Where we talk about all the weird shit that we used to do to humans in the practice of medicine. It's always a little bit uh, fun. We end up with some laughs and it's always a little bit cringeworthy also. Very cringeworthy, though. I want to put out a caveat on this year's episode is while I was researching this and I am proud to say one uh, longtime listener, no time caller decided to send me a piece of information they thought would be funny to know. And then I was like, perfect. We're getting ready to do the Halloween special. I'm going to put this in the show. So Olivia, thank you very much for one of the upcoming gruesome things to talk about, but it's not exactly medical related is what I was getting to. So I have a couple things that are still gross. They're human related. So I thought it was uh, fitting, but it's not exactly a medical practice. Well, Tom, it's been four years, so I mean, you know, we, <laughs> we could only talk about so many times of using hot pokers to, you know, fix hemorrhoids. Exactly. So you got to kind of get a little creative liberty. So <laughs> yes. That's what we'll call it. Yes. There you go. We're broadening our canvas. So that's what's going on. Speaking of broadening our canvas, Tom, we do need to talk before we get into all of the fun medieval weird stuff we're going to talk about. We got to talk about Tom, you and I. And a bunch of other podcasters. We're coming from behind the mic. We're doing a live show. We're doing Nurses PodCon. Tina over at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse has kind of been instrumental in helping get this set up. I know I'm personally excited to be doing what we do in front of a live audience. A little nerve wracking, but I think we'll have some fun with it. Nerve wracking is probably a good word for what's going on. So, yeah, it's a live audience of people that on purpose are coming to Nashville, Tennessee, buying tickets, and then sitting to watch us do a podcast live. Like, they're that interested in what we do. And I just am still baffled as to how this happened. But I am super happy it happened. Yeah. And as you said, Ben, Tina from Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, 
the force behind this. What a great podcast she is on. And we've been on a couple times. Yes. Wink, wink, listeners. So please give her a listen. But yeah, I am stoked and I cannot wait to get down to Nashville and get this thing going. So it will be November 20th, which I know is just kind of around the corner. But, you know, tickets are still available. You can get tickets at goodnursebadnurse.com and you can come join us live. You can interact with us, hang out with us. Hell, you can buy Tom a beer. You You could. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be an interesting uh, time. And like I said, it's almost like an adventure because we're working with several other great podcasts. It's not just us and Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. There are a plethora of people going to be down there, a plethora of podcasts, if you will, Ben, and all of them are excellent. I don't think that there's a one that somebody wouldn't want to be involved with or listen to. So man, what a lineup. I can't wait. And uh, again, like I said, tickets available, goodnursebadnurse.com, November 20th in Nashville, Tennessee. We do want to give a shout out to the sponsors that are helping make Nurses Pogton a reality. First is CBD Stat. It is a CBD oil it's got drops. They have a new worming salve. It's all THC free. Want to give a shout out to Samuel Merritt University. They have been helping educate and teach nurses for over a hundred years. Trusted Health is a travel nurse company that Tina actually works with. Uh, she's talked about them several times on her show. You know, if you're looking for some travel nursing opportunities, TrustedHealth.com. A new product out on the market that is super cool is stoggles and they make ppe fashionable and functional so for all those places that we're having to wear the ipro while we're out there this is the company you want to go to to get a new safety goggles and last uh, but certainly not least is echo health echo produces a digital stethoscope and it is uh, amazing tom and i've actually had the opportunity to use an echo device it does have like 40 time amplification on it. It's got noise reduction, uh, some cool stuff that they have there too. Um, echohealth.com is their website. Yeah, Ben, I think it's important to note that I got a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about Echo in the future of just some podcast. Hmm, that would be a good possibility, Tom. So, again, we want to say thanks to all those sponsors that are helping make Nurse Podcon a reality. Again, huge shout out to Tina over Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and all the other podcasts that are going to be there with us. Again, I think it's going to be a great time. It's going to be um, a learning experience. Unfortunately, Tom, this is the one episode that you're not going to be able to do naked, so I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's a long-standing tradition here at Just Some Podcast that, thank God, you can't see. But we like to have a lot of fun here, so, you know, rock out with my socks on. That's how I guess that, that saying goes. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that, that's how, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to leave it. So, and for those, again, last time I'm going to mention anything about it uh, for tonight. Anyways, nurses PodCon. If you are like, Hey, how can I learn more about that? Ben, if there was like, say a social media area what? that we put stuff about our podcast and what our podcast was doing, and we put that onto interwebs where people could see it. Where would those places be, Ben? Let me think. Oh, you know what? That would be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and now LinkedIn. All at Just Some Podcast. You can find out our website, www.justsomepodcast.com. You can email us. Tell us that you're coming to uh, Nurses PodCon. 
They do have online tickets as well. Uh, but our email address is JSP at just some podcast.com. Don't forget to check out our sister shows. David had him on last week. Nurse Papa with his podcast, Pollyanna beaten Tom's ass quotidian style over on buried pleasures. Make sure you check them out. And Tom, let's say uh, they wanted to help us out with our show. What, what could they do? Well, you know, Ben, one of the things they could do since I forgot to mention it earlier is they could look at those virtual tickets to PodCon and uh, enjoy the show that way because that's perfectly capable as well if they didn't want to come down to Nashville, Tennessee. But let's say that's not the other thing they wanted to do. They could go to our website. They could scroll down to just about the bottom of the page. You will see an Amazon affiliate link. Please click on that first before you do any searching on Amazon, put anything in your cart or purchase it. And those proceeds then go to the show. Helps us out. Doesn't cost you anything. And we would really appreciate it. That we would. Tom, are you ready to jump into some weird, fun, medieval medicine type stuff? I am perfectly willing to jump into things that will both dazzle and possibly make a few people puke while they're driving. That's what we always shoot for here. Just some podcasts. Well, to be fair, that's every episode. Yeah, that's that's I was I thought it was both <laughs> brilliant and vomit inducing. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So that's the just some podcast brand stewed to perfection. So because, you know, we got lots of medieval, weird, wacky, creepy stuff to talk about, we're not going to do a story that you may have missed tonight. We're going to jump right into the fun. So, Tom, do you want to kick us off? Delight me with your tail, good sir. Well, so, uh, yeah. (laughs) I keep saying that because I'm like, just thinking about this again. And, Ben, I'm going to have to send you the pictures that were sent to me just so you can enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, Again, this is um, something I have been looking forward to talking about. It's from, like I said, listener Olivia out there. And I'm going to give you the title of this, Ben, just to set the mood. Necropants. Hmm. Necropants is roughly the English version because the Icelandic version is apparently (laughs) Nabrook. And I know I'm not saying that correctly, but that's how I'm going to say it. But I like that sounding better than necropants, but okay. Well, that's what you say until you find out that necropants is basically a pair of trousers made from human skin. I kind of suspect just with the whole necro thing, but. And yeah, just just in case, just in case that (laughs) necro wasn't setting it off. So, uh, by the way, you can Google this while you're Googling stuff about nurses podcon and just some podcasts go ahead and make another tab there and google necro pants you will see actual pictures of two pairs from iceland's museum of sorcery and witchcraft they come from around the 17th century in iceland and well it was said that if you made some you'd be rich for the rest of your life ben the process of making necro pants involved getting permission which that just blows my mind. Always important. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but still, you had to get permission to make these pants out of skin. So, like, let's say I wanted to make some necro pants out of your skin, Ben. I'd have to get you to agree to it before you died. Fair enough. Okay. All right. So, after you die, here's the other. First of all, let's start off with this is messed up from the beginning. But this is a complete downward spiral. So, step two is I have to wait till they bury you. Then, which is weird because I didn't think Icelandic culture did a lot of burying, but that's besides the point. Now, whatever they do, I have to then dig you up 
Okay, so I have to wait till you're the ground, you're dead. Then I dig you up and I go through a process of flaying you, which is cutting and removing your skin from your body. At which point I basically uh, tan you. And I don't mean like put you under sunlights. That's the yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Making skin usable after it's been removed from a body. All right. But after I dig you up and after I tan them, then what I have to do is is uh I have to take my pants off and I have to put the bend pants on. So I am directly inside your skin. And that's important for a, a couple of reasons because one, that makes it uber mm. gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then two, I have to walk around town, walk around town in my bend pants, which, by the way, have to be anatomically intact. So my junk is now in the X bend junk. All right. So I have to walk around town until I can find a widow who I then have to steal a coin from. Okay. Yeah, not very odd to I mean, it gets so much worse. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then I have to take the stolen coin and I have to write down a magical symbol in Icelandic culture called a, and again, there is no earthly chance of me saying (laughs) this correctly, but Hey, if you're in Iceland, tell me how to say it correctly. I kind of want to know no broke nor car nor stopper. Again, I know that's not correct, but that's as close as I'm going to get. Okay. So, you write that on a piece of paper along with your stolen coin from a widow, and then you tuck it through a slit into the scrotum of the Ben pants. Okay. Now I'm wearing dead skin <laughs> with a stolen money and a magical symbol written on a piece of paper in the sack. Oh my God. Okay. Well, so this is the part where the witchcraft and sorcery comes in though. Not, not that it oh, wasn't good. already present yeah. because then according to Icelandic folklore, the scrotum will begin to fill with money, but only after your skin gruesomely attaches itself to my skin, therefore making it impossible for me to take said necro pants, or in this case, bend pants off. So now you are permanently attached to me. But, and here's here's the weird part, the scrotum continually fills with money. It's like a... Like, uh, it's like an ATM. Like an ATM that I never have to access because it just spills money out of the scrotum, but it doesn't really clarify a rate. So I don't know if this is like, hey, you're going to get a 20 every day, or I'm literally going to walk around dropping pennies out my sack. I don't know. Like, it doesn't say. Oh, my God. But... I, I would think I would want to know the conversion rate. <laughs> yeah. Or like, the reproduction rate of said money prior to... Funny enough, you said reproduction using something using the the scrotum, but it doesn't say. So, yeah, if you want to find out what these look like, I highly suggest that you go onto the Google and you look up necro pants and uh, you're going to see. And it's it's horrifying. It's not any good. You're you're going to haunt your dreams for a while after seeing these things. So. <laughs> I'm Googling right now because. Well, I already sent you the picture. I just now sent it to you. Oh, okay. Let me. Hold on. Let's just see the reaction here and then we can go on to the, your topic. Oh. Told you. Oh, wow. I guess I assumed that the legs would be shaved. Nope. Uh, Obviously. 17th century, buddy. 17th century. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. It's a good one. I, I do like the, the term bin pants, though. I'm going to have to try to work that into some conversations yeah. sometime. <laughs> you know, Tom, 
Tom did a story about cutting my skin off and wearing it as decorative <laughs> murder slash thievery pants that then would attach itself to him. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to work that into a whole conversation, but I applaud you, sir, and I like your gumption. I just picture knowing you, I just picture you like, hey, do you like my bin pants? Uh, <laughs> well, okay. I said you. I know how I would work it in. I've been thinking about this all day. You, oh, on I, the other hand. Let me, what? I'm just saying, I don't know how you would do it. I know how oh. I would do it. So my favorite part is in my head, I always act casual, like what? You don't have skin pants and then just like <laughs> walk off like peasant and just walk off. Like you don't have a magic ATM scrotum coin producer. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Takes that whole like 80s leather pants thing to a whole new, whole new. Uh, That's roughly the uh, newer version of cow pants. That's really. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's what that's what that is. So, but that usually takes money out of your wallet, not puts money into your wallet. That's true. So, yeah, leather pants weren't cheap, kids. You ready for our next? I, we gotta get the hell away from Ben pants. I don't know, but you have no idea how hard I had to bite inside my lip when I said leather pants ain't cheap, kids. Like that's a useful piece of information for anybody like to know. You kids nowadays, mar. with your leather pants and stay it off my grass. So, all right, Tom, we're going to bring this back around to some weirdness. Oh, yeah. No, bed pants were weird enough. No, not at all. Radio Onyx, Tom. Sounds like a band from the UK. Doesn't it kind of, though? I mean, it's not like that would be a good band name. Like, yeah. The kind of somber lyrics, but sort of poppy at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah, them. Yeah, yeah that's, I can hear it now. So Radio Onyx, this was developed by Albert Abrams. And uh, he was born in San Francisco in 1863. He obtained his MD in Germany at the age of 19, Tom. Sounds set up. And, well, I'm just you know, passing along. In 1916, he published an article called New Concepts in Diagnosis and Treatment, Introducing the World to His Theory of Radioonics. The short version of this, basically, Tom. Healthy people, we put out healthy energy. Ill people put out ill energy. So... You use the word energy too many times. I know where this I is. I know. So, <laughs> so. so his thought process is you could therefore cure a disease, any disease, by tuning those illness frequencies back to healthy frequencies. So it'd be kind of like if you're in your car, Tom, you're cruising along, Nickelback comes on, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is this? No offense to all the Nickelback, well, two of the Nickelback fans out there. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. So then you like grab the dial and you twist it to something else. That's what radionics is. Now. But what if I turned it and it's Creed? Well, then you need to go see Mr. Abrams, I think, because <laughs> something's broken. <laughs> so he diagnosed problems with your radionics with the dynamizer. Oh, Lord. This sounds like something Wiley Coyote would use to chase down a roadrunner. Dynamizer. The dynamizer. (laughs) So you have to bring in a hair sample. Oh. You have to be facing west. Oh. In a low lit room (laughs) in order to obtain an appropriate sample for the dynamizer. Oh, my goodness. He's then going to. Put your sample into a, a medical-looking machine. <laughs> medical-looking machine. I mean, 
you know. <laughs> do you know what a dynamizer looks like, Tom? I sure as hell wouldn't have back then. I, mean, I have I have an image in my head, and it's something Stewie Griffin would make off Family Guy. Probably pretty close, yeah. <laughs> he's then going to look for your homage, Tom, and he's for going what? to. He's got a bunch of dials on his dynamizer, and he's going to twist them and turn them, and he's got a glass rod that he's going to tap your abdomen with, and he's what he's doing there is he's looking for your areas of dullness and you're figuring out your residence, Tom. I'm 0% dullness. Well, <laughs> that very well could be true. But he uh, did do quite well with this. It even got to the point, Tom, that he uh, was able to use handwriting samples from dead people to uh, figure out what caused their demise. The dynamizer. Oh, boy. Successfully uh, had several people diagnosed with, uh, let's see, Dr. Samuel Johnson, he died of syphilis, uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, syphilis, Oscar Wilde, syphilis, um, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, syphilis. Uh, we, but the dynamizer was able to accurately detect that. And if you wanted to uh, get a home course in radioonics, Tom, Back in this time, which again, this is like what the 1930s, and what I said, uh-huh. $200 cash paid in advance. Whoa, that's a lot of money now for so they called radio onyx. So that's a lot of money back then. Do we have a conversion? Did you did you see a conversion? I did on not. That? I did not. Now he had lots of marketing campaigns, he had lots of word of mouth campaigns to the point, Tom, that he kind of struck the ire of a small organization called the American Medical Association. Those guys. Yeah. So they were a little skeptical of radionics and the dynamizer. So they sent blood of a healthy male guinea pig to, uh, to Mr. Uh, Abrams. And they concocted a backstory of the blood, say it was from a person called Mrs. Miss Bell. Well, test results come back saying that Miss Bell had cancer. In addition to an infection of her left frontal sinus, and a streptococcal infection of her left fallopian tube. That's oddly specific. Oddly specific. But I mean, you know, it's the dynamizer, Tom. You're going to get specific information. I didn't expect anything else. I'm impressed that the healthy male guinea pig had a fallopian tube, but hey, <laughs> whatever works. Scientific American also launched a year-long investigation into radioonics theories. And they published, and I quote, this committee finds that the claims advanced on behalf of the electronic reactions of Abrams and the electronic practice in general are not substantiated, and it is our belief they have no basis in fact. In our opinion, the so-called electronic treatments are without value. I like how they had to clarify, in our opinion, as if <laughs> there was any other opinion <laughs> about this. But a lot of this talks about how you know the, your uh, your radio waves that you had could be altered by people who were non-believers and so oh, yeah, i'm sure that's kind of what he felt like was was causing the the problems but his estate tom when he died in 1924 was worth about two million dollars holy cow so i mean he did pretty well with his uh, dynamizer and his radioonics even if he was selling bullshit gotcha by the way i looked it up it's approximately 3200 dollars today that's a lot of money for a at-home course that is an understatement, sir. If you want to turn your nickel back into nine-inch nails, Ooh. get your dynamizer. <laughs> I just like the name dynamizer. I do. I do, I do kind of like that. I would DJ I mean, dynamizer. See, like this whole thing. Like a, yeah, I I see strobe lights already. 
Well, Tom, what do you got next for us, bud? All right. Well, I mean, nothing as cool as a dynamizer. Like, well, no, let's I mean, get that that's out of the way. why I led with that one. Looks like the inside of a Doctor Who TARDIS in there, but that's what the dynamizer is. So I'm going to be talking about what we were talking about creepy things. And uh, I thought we're about to talk now is uh, pretty creepy and semi medieval. Like it's been going on for quite a while. We're going to talk about a disease called Kubru. And again, I might be slightly off on this one, but this one's not in Icelandic. So I feel pretty confident that I'm pronouncing it. K-U-R-U. Have you ever heard of this, Ben? I have not, sir. Well, if you haven't, I'm not surprised because it's relegated to one tribe and they are only specifically in Papua New Guinea. So, I mean. Okay. Well, that would explain why I probably probably don't need a ANCC probably doesn't need to do any testing for that or the AAMP because it's not even in North America or South America. So there you go. So none of the Americas, none of the Americas. Yeah. So Kuru Ben is the name of a disease and it's also known as the laughing disease because that's what the uh, four tribe. This is the tribe that's affected. Call it and you get it from cannibalism. They're one of the last tribes in the world that practices cannibalism. Interesting. Okay. So when they consume the brains, and apparently other tribes that do cannibalism aren't consuming as many brains. I, I don't I don't really have a conversion factor on this one. So what what happens is is that this this specific tribe, words are hard, apparently has a real susceptibility to prions from the brains of the other people that they're eating. So here's where the problem starts. So Joe kills Fred, eats his brain, right? So now Joe has got Fred's prions in him now. The problem is, is that over a period of time, those brains start to eat holes into Joe's brain because they don't want to be there. They're not supposed to be there. And now they're there. You know, it's kind of like the drunk guy at the bar that nobody likes. You're just yeah. waiting for the bouncer to kick him out, but then for some reason the bouncer never kicks him out. Now you got to listen to this jerk all night. That's what's going on inside Joe's brain. So symptoms begin as, and again, it's called the laughing disease because the first symptom is sudden, uncontrollable burst of pathological laughter, which doesn't sound yeah, that doesn't sound horrible. <laughs> but I want to point out though that they clearly they can't control it. So your body is starting to do things you have no control over so that part is kind of terrifying though it's terrifying it's like the marshmallow man from ghostbusters like it's terrifying but it's supposed to be terrifying in a cute way i guess i don't know so that's where it starts but then then uh things start to slide downhill because so the period of time between starting symptoms and getting this is only one to three years okay so this disease process once it starts over and it is fatal Hmm. happens pretty quick so they go from uncontrollable laughter to uncontrolled emotional sadness. Like they just become uber depressed. Think like the worst case of bipolarism, I, I guess. That's what you I was just saying. Like, that's like bipolar on crack. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what this is like. But then they start to lose the ability to control themselves physically, including swallowing. And over time, I, it never says anything about losing the ability to breathe or anything like that. But basically, their muscles become rigid and they actually tremble to death. So I, I was wrong before. The Kuru, were, Kuru is not the four word for laughter, it's for trembling. And that's what starts to happen towards the end is that they basically just convulse until they die. 
That's a little creepy. Yeah. So you killed Fred. Fred should have fought harder. I don't know. And you won. Your job's to eat him. And then you get this for eating him. Maybe they should eat less brains. Well, you know, but third world problems, I know. But I mean, I'm third, just, yeah, I mean, perhaps if you're living in a place where a, a tree frog can kill you, you know, maybe Kuru isn't the highest priority on your list of things to avoid. Fair enough. All right, Ben. Balls in your court, sir. <laughs> Balls. Mm-hmm. Tom, have you ever thought, you know, my prostate gland is cold. You know, Ben, just yesterday, it's getting a little chilly here in Ohio this time of year. I love it, but it's it's getting cold. But yeah, Ben, weirdly enough, I put my feet on the ground getting out of bed and I thought, jeezy, crazy, my feet and or prostate is unusually chilly this morning. Well, do I have a product for you? <laughs> Can we advertise it for Nurses PodCon? Probably not. Okay, then never mind. So uh, this was the Electrothermal Company of Ohio. Oh, man. You just. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Make they, sure. Do you have a city? No, I do not. Because I want to go to that place now. <laughs> I want to see where this is. So they manufactured a rectal gland warmer called the Thermal Aid, which ran an electrical current regulated oh. by a light bulb. Oh, through its hard rubber exterior in an effort to stimulate the abdominal brain. Quote, unquote, stimulate the abdominal brain. That's a terrible sounding set of words. Further information from the electrothermal company of Ohio Mm -hmm. during this time was that, quote, if the rectal dilator is used, it will furnish a constant heat to the rectal anatomy causing a gentle stimulation of the capillary blood vessels and the resultant improved local nerve condition. So basically, Tom, it's a rectal phallus-shaped object attached to an electrical cord, which is attached to a light bulb. I have a picture for you, Tom. Oh. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, wow. So yeah, the the light bulb would glow and it would transfer its heat into the kind of the dildo-looking end. Which Glad you specified some, that because that's exactly what that looks like. Which caused some warmth in your uh, your cold prostate. It looks like they took three parts of the tops of a lamp, like they pulled three lamps apart. Right. And they spliced them together, two of them having light bulbs and the third having uh, the party favor end. I kind of thought it looked like a word burning kit with a light on it, but I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> I don't know. It's horrible looking is what it is, because let's say that's something you're thinking to yourself. You know what I could really use today, Ben? I could really use a prostate warming. That's still not the thing I think I would want to do it. I mean, I don't know what I would be, but I don't think it would be something that has open wires. It looks like it could light the leg lamp on um, a Christmas story. So that's what it looks like. It probably could. You probably, probably plug could. the lamp right into that, and then you just have a nice warm leg lamp with so a warm prostate. So, oh boy, you could have a warm heart and a warm prostate. Oh, oh. isn't that great? No, I'm sure, it fixes everything that ails you. I mean, erectile dysfunction. I don't think it's going to fix anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> except my ability to sit down for a while. Well, that that probably is true. What do you got next for us, Tom? Well, you know, it's funny enough. You mentioned rectal. 
Damn near kills. <laughs> we're going to talk about something called antimony pills. Okay. All right. So, again, I don't. This is one of those things where it lasted for a while and never really went away for quite a while. So, I don't have a specific time other than late 19th century on, somewhere around in that time period. Okay. So, antimony is not just the name of something you want to avoid in a divorce. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Just joking. People. Thank you. Rimshot. So antimony is the name of the 51st element on the periodic table, Ben. It's a rare metal. And there you go. It's pretty cool. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, more, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah. So people expected you to swallow this. Now, for very specific and sometimes unspecific causes, because basically at this point in time, they just kind of knew you had a stomach and intestines, but there was still a lot of mystery. Yeah. They were on the cusp of understanding a lot more, but there still wasn't a lot of great information at this point in time. So basically, if you had trouble pooping or you felt like your stomach hurt really bad, possibly because you weren't pooping, somebody would give you one of these pills. And when I say pill, normally it was just a hunk of, of antimony. All right. So you get a hunk of this rare metal and you swallow it. Obviously, it's small capsule shaped. Right. And then, Ben, what do you know? It actually worked. If you had an obstruction due to constipation or something like that, man, you immediately started crapping everywhere. Huh. The, pro the problem is, is then you normally just continued to keep crapping everywhere because antimony is extremely toxic to human beings. So swallowing it and then passing it through the very most sensitive parts of your body tended to just poison it as it went along. So just imagine a wall of poison possibly killing your bowel and pushing the excrement out. So at which point you can no longer control it because you have just basically made it a straight pipe from your esophagus to your anus. Hmm. That does not sound good. Does it sound good? I try to avoid swallowing raw elements. There is actually one worse part. Oh. So besides the fact now you've basically poisoned a human being from the inside out and now they're going to die by shitting themselves to death. And I guess some people didn't. That's how they kept convincing people to do this, but it ain't going to be good. All right. Let's just let's just preface that antimony doesn't dissolve, Ben. So it just kind of hangs out there. No, 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 no. You pass it. Which they then retrieve. Oh, I and then clean. And then give I to the next guy. I did not know you were going there. <laughs> so, so I was uh, like, okay, so it's, you're like, you pass it. I'm like, okay, you pass it. Okay, yeah, no, well, I was setting you up for the for the for the fall there, Ben. You did. So I'm just saying, if you're getting to the antimony clinic sometime in the uh, 19th early. century, yeah, you want to be the first guy for the new batch. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you don't want to be Tony getting there at the end of the day. Sucks to be you, Tony. So. That's antimony treatment. And I, I wonder why we don't use it anymore. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense why we don't use it anymore. 
it's there's so many applications. But when you talk about like the wall of poison kind of pushing through, I kind of pictured like the Pepto Bismol commercial, you know, where it like coats <laughs> the esophagus and the stomach. That's kind of what I pictured. Yeah. That. Well, actually, that's a really great visualization. I'm sure Pepto Bismol is going to be super happy that we're associating them with this. But not for a visual, <laughs> not a spot <laughs> for visual purposes. That's great. I mean, that's kind of the way. Now you said, I'm like, yeah, from their description, as it moves along, it just leaves a trail of destruction. Unlike Pepto-Bismol, which helps stop trails of destruction. Very true. Well, Tom, while you're talking about shitting out your ass, I'm going to talk about blowing smoke up your ass. I was going to say, do you, do you not shit out your ass? Well, I do, but not not uh, antimony usually. <laughs> ah, there you go. So, Tom, I think we talked briefly in one of the earlier episodes about the phrase blowing smoke up your ass. Which I think we've is- said the phrase blowing smoke up your ass. And originally, I think we'd talked about it was potentially a cure for constipation, which, okay, I mean, but there's some more history to it and some more research that I did. So this was so popular, they end up making tobacco smoke enema kits. And so you had these at the ready anytime that you needed. They were, it was like a household item. Like you could just. At the ready? Yeah. Like, you know, you could run to your local Walmart in like the 18th century. and Or cigar shop. Pick you up one of these little, one of these little pipes that uh, allows you to give tobacco smoke enemas. Nothing about this sounds good. This was embraced by the British medical community for a while, and they actually had a society that was formed and funded for this promotion of of this. And once I tell you what the what the name of the society is, you'll figure out what they were trying to use this for. Because in the 18th century, they weren't coming up with wacky names like the Dynamizer. Yeah. <laughs> they were still straightforward. This is the institution for affording immediate relief to persons apparently dead from drowning. Whoa. What? So they would prowl the banks of the Thames River with their enema kits just at the ready. If any poor soul stumbled into the river and needed to be revived. So what they would do is they would leap into the river. They would haul them out of the river. They'd rip their clothes off, flip them on their stomach, shove the tube in their butt, blow tobacco smoke in their butt. None of this sounds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this was uh, founded by Dr. William Hawks and Dr. Thomas uh, Cogan, who they are the one who founded the rescue brigade. The rescue brigade. Yes. Well, you you have to have a whole brigade. Of course, firemen are doing this. (laughs) Firemen. So the smoke blown into the bodies, apparently, they thought it accomplished two medical goals. It warmed the victim, because, you know, smoke's warm. Firemen will tell us that. (laughs) And uh, it also stimulated respiration. Well, if you shove anything in my ass, I guarantee you it's going to increase my respiration rate. That's for sure. Now, here was a couple of things that I found interesting. When they first made, not that blowing smoke up your ass isn't interesting to begin with, but <laughs> when they first made them, it was basically a long straw. Later on, they added the bellows so that you could actually, so you're Force not actually mouth to ass. Not human centipeding this thing. Because you basically wouldn't want to accidentally inhale cholera. It was a big problem back then. Uh, <laughs> They actually had people that had downed cholera bacteria from accidentally inhaling from tobacco smoke enemas. Hold on. Hold, Hold on. on. No, uh, man, I got to ask. 
how many times were they doing this procedure that they then had to start recording injuries to it? Well, enough that they made kits for like the home use. I mean, this was, you know, you, you never know when you might drown in the 18th century, Tom. You know, valid point, sir. Now, they used the blowing the smoke up the ass to try to resuscitate their victims because they felt that mouth-to-mouth rescue breathing was vulgar. You know, as opposed to stripping them down naked and sticking a tube in their butt and blowing smoke into it. Thank you, sir, for addressing that before I felt the need to because mouth-to-mouth is vulgar, but mouth-to-ass, that's on point. Yeah, they uh, they would use artificial uh, respirations, but again, like I said, the mouth-to-rescue breathing was uh, considered vulgar. But they would use the bellows as the resuscitator. Much more sophisticated. You know, it's not vulgar. You know, they're laying there naked with a tube in their butt. It's not vulgar. Because I'm using a bellows. Vulgar. <laughs> Midwives, however, uh, knew better, and they regularly practiced mouth-to-mouth rescue breathing to resuscita- resuscitate infants. So that's kind of where some of that came from. So the phrase blowing smoke up your ass, meaning, you know, you're full of shit and it really didn't. That's kind of why, because it didn't really do anything to help out. Well, you know what, Ben? I use that expression a lot. As a matter of fact, I think I used it today, to be completely honest. I'm glad it's both educational and it's a warning. Don't get in the water in London because then some guy along the River Thames is going to drag you out and stick a tube in your ass. So you imagine if they still... I think once a year, I'm not not that they would actually do the tobacco smoking, but I think once a year, they should have they should reform this brigade and just have people walking the banks of the Thames River just with a, a tobacco smoke in kit in their hand at the ready. We should talk to Jim about this. You should. Yes, I think we can make this happen. Actually, I think he's on board already. I haven't even I haven't even texted him yet. What do you got next for us, sir? All right, so this one. I'm glad we saved for last. We're coming down to home stretch, Ben. This is the last thing we're going to be able to talk about, I think, because I'm going to have to paint a visual picture for you to understand this. Ben, what do you know about corneal surface diseases? Um, I refer to an ophthalmologist. Well, that's what we would do as well, Ben. But even the ophthalmologist sometimes goes, you know what? I just don't know what to do with this disease. There are some diseases out there, Ben, that you just can't fix with certain treatments. So as far as I can tell, there is one surgeon, at least for Europe, that I'm able to find that does a uh, rather unique and actual effective surgery for just a few rare but devastating corneal surface diseases. He uh, does a process. So I'm going to try and tell you the actual name first because otherwise – the other one will just give it away. It's osteo odonto keratoprosthesis or tooth in the eye surgery. Doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound good. And I got to be real honest. If you're at the point where you're getting the surgery, you probably don't care anymore. You're like, I don't care if you call this matchbox stick surgery. Just shove something under my eye. Let's see if we can get this to work. So obviously this person... In just about every case that I was able to find that even talked about it, which isn't a lot. So they've lost vision. They have an eye. There's this disease process. The surgeon, well, Ben, he he doesn't take a first step that you would normally suspect. He looks in your mouth 
and he finds a tooth that is appropriate. Now, the surgery is so rare that honestly, there's not a ton of information out there. So can it be a bicuspid? Does it have to be a molar? Nobody knows. I'm, a, I'm going with molar because it also says usually he removes a small part of the jawbone itself. And then they file and whittle or lathe or whatever they're using to make this down into a small bone box that they then drill a channel through Ben. So first of all, let's talk about how horrifying the things I just talked about were you are blind in an eye and some guy goes, I can fix your vision by pulling out a tooth already. Everything about this sounds suspect. Okay. So like, don't let this madman touch you, but apparently this madman is correct. So he pulls it out. He polishes grinds and makes your tooth into a smaller box, A, a bone box. A bone box that I can't tell you why it has to be a tooth. Again, looking up to surgery, reading some stuff on it. I can't even figure out why it has to be a tooth, but it does have to be a tooth, Ben. And it has to be from your own mouth, apparently. So he cuts out this jawbone. He cuts out this tooth. He does this process. Then he sticks a specialized ocular lens in that very small hole. So now you basically have a bone splinter, like a little tube with a lens. And, you know, you're thinking, wow, that's a weird thing to put in your eye. But you know what, Ben? He doesn't put it in your eye. Okay. So then Madman Extraordinaire sticks it in your cheek. Yeah, we're fixing your vision. But so far, it's all dentistry. So <laughs> no eyeball involved yet. No, no eyeball involved so far. So he then cuts out the little hole to put the toothing in your cheek. But he also cuts out a little circle of inner cheek flesh that he then removes your cornea and replaces with your cheek flesh. So already there's a lot of wrong with this entire statement. Yeah. But then Ben, after there's some tissue attached to the tooth that's been shaped and polished and formed into a box and then a splinter, and then a very small lens is placed into it is now covered in stuff. He cuts back the flap of corneal cheek tissue And again, in a manner that I am unable to figure out exactly how, inserts this tube into your eye and then covers it back up with the cheek flap. So now your eyeball is more inside of your mouth than your eyeball. And they make a little hole just big enough for the lens, which obviously can't dilate. So you're at a certain aperture forever. But apparently it works, Ben, and people regain some vision. I mean, I, I... I, I didn't, again, get a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know that they were doing any Snellen test on them or anything, but apparently it's worked enough that this guy does surgeries on people repeatedly, and it works. That's... And uh, I guess the greatest joke's on me because all the crazy shit I just said actually does something that's useful to human beings. Thank you, uh horribly misunderstood the premise of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. No. I thought the whole thought of someone ripping out your teeth to put them in your eyeball just was... That is definitely odd. It'd be like, you know, you go in for your prostate exam, and they're like, okay, I need you to open your mouth. And like, what? Whoa, yeah. Yeah, You're going to take the long route, huh? (laughs) So... You have a camera that goes that far? Like, how's that going? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess I also kind of saved it for last also because it did work. Like, all the other stuff we talked about is quackery, usually. Yeah, necropants doesn't work. You don't know that. Okay, you're correct, <laughs> but I, I don't know that, but I feel pretty confident that it doesn't. 
but this actually helps people. So, and it's horrifying if you think about it. I mean, ugh. yeah, that's who. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Check your phone. That's freaky as hell. Yeah. So maybe we should it talk about that. that. Like, it's haunting to look at that picture. So. The guy doesn't help look make. I mean, no. like the look on his face makes it even look worse. He's clearly an Irish truck driver. Like there's something wrong with that dude. Probably not a truck driver. I hope he's not a truck driver. You know, the laws are a lot more liberal over there. So. Well, Tom, so medieval medicine one, two, and three, we, we kind of ended with the same type story which mostly focused on hysterical women, orgasms, vibrators, all the, yeah. the We're going to go a different, slightly different route, Tom. We're going to talk testicles. Lots of testicles. <laughs> I got, I got, well, not lots, three. A, a plethora, Tom, a plethora of, tex, of testicles. None of these being human testicles, more or less. More or less. <laughs> the first story is about a Russian-born physician that practiced in France and Egypt by the name of Serge Bonnerhoff. And uh, he was convinced that you know, decreased hormonal activity caused increased aging, and that he thought, you know, if I can stop the aging process, then, oh, buddy, can we fix some things, you know? Oh, yeah. So in 1913, he transplanted the testicles from a baboon into the aging scrotum of a 74-year-old man. Oh, nothing wrong can happen here. Now, I, I don't want you to think that he, like, just shoved full-size baboon testicles into this man's scrotum. No. That would just be silly. No. That, that would just be silly. <laughs> he, he had a much more restrained strategy. He transplanted slivers of baboon testicles. They were two centimeters by a half a centimeter. And he felt like, therefore, they could be absorbed by the human tissue and the rejuvenation process could begin. Um, the tissue died. Oh, the medical yeah. results were non-existent. And the placebo effect, however, though, was uh, quite powerful. He labeled the operation a success, and some 700 physicians at the London's International Congress of Surgeons in 1923 oohed and awed when he presented his new surgical techniques. The surgeon professed that successful transplantation of baboon nuts led to an increase in sex drive, as well as increased energy, better eyesight, and longer life. What about scrotal infection? Because it seems like he should be covering scrotal infection. Yeah, that's a risk, Tom. I mean, you just you, you roll <laughs> you with just, it. If you don't, you don't want snake eyes on this one, is what you're saying, huh? So that was baboon nuts. Now, this was an advertisement from the 1930s for someone else. Someone else. Someone else. Do you wish to continue as a sexual flat tire? If not. I was like, is this a can, real question? <laughs> if not, you can turn to alleged doctor, John Brinkley. I was like, when you start with alleged doctor. Alleged, yes. <laughs> so he offered a jaw-dropping solution to male impotence, Tom. He, against all manner of reason and logic convinced an embarrassing large number of men that they needed to restore their male virility with a new set of testicles, Tom. A new set of testicles? A new set of testicles. Goat testicles, to be exact. So, so he cut open the, the scrotum. 
He implanted slivers of goat testicles, sewed the patient back up again, and the flat tires were pumped back up because they had goat balls in there now. Well, yeah, there's a lot less room. And he became a multimillionaire off doing this procedure with goat nuts. Air quote, goat nut procedure. <laughs> the goat nut procedure. Wow. How do people die? It doesn't say, but I mean, they paid up front apparently because he made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) The last one, Tom. Well, we couldn't just leave it on men. Women don't have testicles. They do not have testicles. So end of story. Oh, no, there is a but. In medieval times, birth control wasn't, you know, we we need to try to figure out a way to, to get some birth control, Tom. So someone, and I don't, I, I don't know who, but I don't like to have been there the conversation when they ha- when they come up with this idea. There was a lot of mushrooms and beer. Had uh, something. A lot of syphilis of the brain or something. I don't know. But they Hi, said, George. what you need to do, if you're a woman and you want to have contraception protection from pregnancy with intercourse. Don't have sex? Well, no, no, you can't. No, Tom. <laughs> Gotta have sex. You find you a weasel. <laughs> you whack his nuts off. You release him back into the wild. That's important. That's the important part. We we don't advocate weasel slaughter, just castration. Hmm. You take the little weasel balls. You wrap them in some goat skin, sheep skin, whatever skin, bin pants. I mean, whatever you have. Wow. You make an amulet and you wear it as a, as a necklace between your bosom and that the weasel nuts somehow protect the woman from becoming pregnant. I would assume it's because the guy starts to hit on her and goes, (laughs) are those weasel nuts? (laughs) No offense, but you smell like you have rotting weasel nuts around your neck. (laughs) I gotta be honest though, Ben. I mean, depends on how many drinks I've had. I'd probably still, Give it a shot. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is the goat skin tanned or are we talking like that's rotting flesh as well? Because that's a lot of rotting flesh. She just has I, hanging around. The way I, I understood it was it was kind of like, I mean, it was made into like a pouch that was like, you know, gotcha. Presentable. Okay. So that is supposed to be there. But the, the weasel nuts, which sounds well, like a bad cereal, by the way. I mean, I just, you know, weasel nuts. <laughs> Mom, I love my weasel nuts. <laughs> See, I'm telling you. And with 2% whole milk, Timmy, weasel nuts are an important part of starting your day. It's part of a balanced breakfast. <laughs> yes. Low in sugar, high in fiber, weasel nuts. Or protein. With yeah, a so ferret, you know, ferrets no, in the weasel family. No, no, no. It, no. it has very, to be a weasel, Tom. Very specific on this weasel nut problem. And it has to be a wild weasel that you catch. Quack his balls off and let him go. So hold on. A chick, she just wants to get laid. She has to hunt down a weasel <laughs> in the forest, castrate it, let it go. You gotta let it go. <laughs> I noticed how you keep emphasizing that. That must have been in bold in the article. No, like, what's it going just, on? I mean, here? That's the, that, I mean, okay, the whole thing's funny, but just the whole like, <laughs> catch him, cut his balls off, and let him go. Let him go. Like, you've made him less of a weasel. I mean, 
Yeah, like what's he gonna do? There are yeah, like by the way, there are some members of the weasel family, including ferrets, that actually die when they don't reproduce. So you are in fact killing him. So let's just point that out. Slow, painful, sad death with no balls, which is way better than just humanely executing him. But that's cool. So then she puts this mass of sorrow in between her boobs. And that keeps her from getting pregnant. Did, just per se, because not like we, we have a lot of reasoning for some of the other things we've talked about, but did it ever say why they thought this worked? No. Like for the smoke up the butt, while we all know that's batshit crazy, we understood, oh, smoke is warm. Firemen can tell us that. And it would stimulate you. Of course, something just got jammed up your butt and then a bellows forced it up there. <laughs> Uh, you know what? They're not wrong on the stimulation part. So I, mean, I did. Did they say why the weasel, uh, even the two other guys, the charlatans before this that were full of crap and just dropped coin slots of testicles into a guy's scrotum. Even that made sense in a way like, oh, they'll get the testosterone from the baboon and it'll, you know. Yeah, no, no, there was no. There's just no reason at all. And I wonder how many animals did they have to try before they found one that like, it's, it's it's the weasel? Like, did they try bear nuts? No, did nobody they- <laughs> wants to try bear nuts. She did was they- thinking, I don't need to get laid bad enough to hunt down a black bear. And try sheep bear. nuts. Because here's try- the thing. She has to let it live. So that bear ain't going to be happy. <laughs> okay. So you ain't getting bear nuts. All right. You're not getting lion nuts, tiger nuts. Which is ironic because those are probably the three that like, you know, some natural sense of humor. <laughs> There's a hormone in uh, bear nuts that'll keep her from getting pregnant, but they'll never find out. Like that's nature's little perverse joke. But yeah, I mean, you know, sheep nuts, cow nuts, grape nuts. They didn't try any other nuts. I mean, I, I mean, how many did they try? That we know of. That we, yeah, that they're like, no, it's the weasel. Out of all the animals, maybe because they're small, you know, weasel nuts have got to be like the size of peas. Why not squirrels? I mean, the, they're too common. Like you have to give yourself a goal. Uh, okay, right. So the weasel presents, see the weasel isn't easy to catch, but it's also not too hard to find depending on where you're at. So, and you know, Tom, there had to have been a charlatan somewhere that was selling fake weasel nuts. I mean, you had like, this is weasel nut amulets and it was just like, two wound up balls of paper in there or something, you know, and they're like, no, th- these are official weasel nuts. And I let him go. Don't worry. Like I, just- I official, <laughs> official weasel nuts. He's free. Yeah. You know, what? it's weird. This whole time you were talking, I had this like cutaway scene from like family guy of two, two weasels talking to each other. Like you heard what happened to Frank. Damn it. He's uh he's birth control now around some <laughs> chick. Birth control. <laughs> yeah. You know, he just walks up. He's bleeding guys. Help. I'm like, Oh my God. So yeah. yeah like, I, it's, uh, I, I still my favorite part is you emphasizing, but you gotta let, let him go. go. Let him go. You gotta let him go. I don't yeah, think it is works. that Frozen. That's how they wrote the song for Frozen. Let it, you know, let, <laughs> let it go. I can't sing much more. Otherwise, you know it's uh, copyright infringement. So yeah, well. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, Tom. I'm just uh, maybe it was ineffective if they didn't let the weasel go. I don't know. I mean, not that it's effective to begin with. Let's clarify that. Now. I was going to say, I, I think you're you're splitting hairs at this point, Ben, because. No, that's what they wanted to do was split some hair and they wanted to, you know, but. <laughs> I, they, don't, I don't think the problem was 
they killed the weasel after they took its nuts for wearing around their neck for birth control. I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> Light bulb. I got an idea, Tom. Badger nuts. No. <laughs> Beaver nuts. No. Hey. This, hey. this, Tom, I got it. This was an elaborate ploy by a guy to get laid. Oh, oh, <laughs> that or is the only thing that makes sense. By the owner of a brothel. You know, yeah. Like, no, hey. Don't worry, you're not gonna get pregnant. I got, I got weasel nuts. I got weasel nuts for you. And they're like, what? No, Everybody, no. see, I think something like this. There's no way it started around when brothels. Like this is folklore that I handed down. So I, I agree. I think you're correct, but I think it was a guy like when we still use loosely covered sticks for structures. Going, uh, hey babe, I know you don't want to get pregnant again, so. If you just do the things that we did before, I'll get you some weasel nuts and put them around your neck. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, everybody knows weasel nuts around your neck protect you. And that's how cavemen did things. Because even in ancient Egypt, like Tutankhamun, like they knew about condoms. Like they used them out of the skin and intestines of other animals, which is also heebie-jeebies. But so that's what I'm saying is ancient Egypt knew about them. This came from way back, bro. If you're talking about weasel nuts, weasel nuts, not a cereal, <laughs> but it could be. I mean, you never, you never know. Yeah. Probably popular in somewhere like Kurdistan or something. Do we have so, listeners in Kurdistan? Because if we do, so. well, we're about to. We're talking about their favorite cereal, weasel nuts. So, in being a smart ass, as we're wrapping up, Tom, I was Googling as we were talking. Because when I think like medieval times, I think like, you know, the UK, you know, Britain. Yeah, knights armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The current population size and distribution, um, there are about 450,000 weasels in the UK, approximately. So that's a lot of weasel nuts. That's a lot of weasel nuts. That's and I don't a... know why they have that statistic of they have that many weasels in the in the UK, but they do. I, I would have to assume, honestly, I'd assume there's more. When's the last time you've seen a weasel? Well, okay, fair enough point. When was the last time I was in the UK? Also a fair point. But, I mean, the closest to being in the UK is watching trailers for Ted Lasso, seeing if I want to watch that. Well, Tom, this wraps up Medieval Medicine 4. Some crazy bin pants stories. Some weasel nuts. Yeah. Bones using, using teeth for eyeballs. Which, by the way, is also pictures... Google uh, tooth and eye surgery. There's actually yeah. some images of people that have had the surgery. And I mean, I'm happy for them because they can clearly see, but oh, I don't think I'd want to meet that guy in person. Like it would freak me out. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I would. I agree. Well, Tom, we got some other stuff coming up with our show. We, we still want to get Tina on and do a medical mystery that I kind of had that I thought was kind of Halloween-y type. So we are hopefully going to get that out soon. We got Nurse PodCon, but I know we said that like 47 times. People are like, okay, we get it. Shut the hell up about PodCon. But well, I'm not going to shut up until they buy tickets. So <laughs> virtual or in person, I don't care which one. You know. But we got lots of other cool shows planned. Bjorn. Bjorn. If Bjorn shows up, I will buy his ticket. Bjorn's back in Antarctica, so that won't happen. Okay, well then it's a safe bet for me that I won't be buying a ticket for him. But Bjorn, even though I know you 
save all the episodes from the previous time and then Our download them and then listen to them all at once when you're down in Antarctica. If somehow you get this message, Bjorn, and you say, fuck Antarctica, I got to get back and listen to Ben and Tom live, then my uh, Norwegian friend, I will buy your ticket to Nurses PodCon. So I think the, what we need to do, Tom. Balls in your court, Bjorn. Go ahead. I think as a brand, just some podcast, we need to extend an invitation out to our Scandinavian ambassador, Bjorn. And if he ever travels to the United States and is relatively close to one of the locations where we reside, we need to get together with Bjorn. Oh, absolutely. If you you travel, if you are going to travel to the United States anytime in the next couple of years, let us know. And we would love to meet up with you in person because, I mean, you completed mission Antarctica. Bjorn, you, you are always going to have a special spot in my heart. As a matter of fact, if I ever have a memorial service, Bjorn, I want to hear that Celine Dion song from Titanic. But instead of pictures of me, I just want a slow waving picture of Bjorn over my memorial service. So consider it done, sir. We will. <laughs> so anyway, enough craziness, enough laughs, enough cringe worthy bin pants stuff. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's go celebrate Halloween. Be safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get your vaccines, including your flu vaccine. And uh, have a great week. Hey, everybody. Stay safe out there. Ben Pins. That's just the craziest thing. Dude. swearing just to pass the time. Lately I see why I am alone. I caught some road bridge and I thought of you. Tell them many times